You're listening to Academic Gig, Episode 7. Academic Gig is a podcast for current and aspiring academic creatives, freelancers, and entrepreneurs. Along with every episode, we post show notes with links to resources mentioned in the episode and a full transcript. You can find these materials, sign up for our email list, and share your ideas for episode topics at academicgig.com. Now, on to the episode. Hey, Sarah, how's it going? Pretty good, Katie. How are you? I am good. So what's going on with you and your business right now? So um, I feel like in the last couple episodes, I've been thinking about and talking about systems and how I'm thinking about systems. And in part, this is because of a course I've been working through on um, called Rock Your Web Design Business, which I will link to in the show notes. Um, But I recently decided to hire someone, actually, to come talk with me about systems, which I am super psyched about. And I can definitely talk about that more in a future episode, like what are some of the things that are going into those systems, but it's a thing for me right now. Um, And thinking about, especially in terms of scalability of my business, Ah. how can I get systems started from the very foundation so that later on I'm not like kicking myself um, because I didn't set up a system from the beginning. So that is what is on my mind lately. What about you? Yeah, uh, for me, it's, you know, the beginning of fall is always that time when you sort of uh, sit back and go, okay, how are things going? Let's check in. Um, how are we doing towards towards the end of the year here? And, you know, what, what do I want to get done um, by the end of the year? And so I've been spending a lot of time thinking about um, kind of where I am and where I'm going and am I happy with, with those things and what do I need to shift and change uh, in the next couple of months? And uh, I think your, your comment about hiring people is really relevant to me as well. I'm kind of starting to wrestle with that a little bit and, and figure out are there ways that I could get more, more things done if I hired more hands to do them. So that's where I am right now. That sounds like a good topic for a future episode as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it is all super tied in with what we are doing in this episode and the next episode. So the topic for this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about goal setting and thinking about the different metrics we're using to measure the success of our businesses. But we felt like that was really tied in with what we are talking about in the next episode, which is how far in advance do we plan for different aspects of our business? So rather than try to separate out these topics in a really clean way, we're going to call this episode part one and then the next episode part two, because it may be that we kind of blend a little bit between the two topics. So we'll start with goal setting and kind of see where we get in this episode. And then in the next one, we'll continue the conversation. So we'll leave you all with a massive cliffhanger at the end of this episode to make sure you come back for the next one. Oh, I have to think about that. I'm not sure what that would be. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. Let's think about that that along the way. (laughs) Okay. Let's think about that along the way. Okay. So Sarah, I'm curious just to kick us off. When are you setting goals for your business? Is this something that you are like a New Year's Eve kind of person or are you like doing it as you go along or are you like not setting goals at all? What's the situation for you? I'm kind of in the middle on that one. Um, I I definitely like to have kind of targets in mind, um, things that I'm thinking about in terms of how do I want to grow certain aspects of my business and where and what does growth look like? Um, I, I tend to be a bit of an evaluation junkie. And so I like having um, some pretty specific ideas about where I want to go and how I want to measure that. But at the same time, I have found uh, in the last several months of doing this self-employment thing full time that 
I've also needed to kind of give myself permission to have more flexibility and fluidity in that. And so I really like to think of goal setting for me more about uh, more more along the lines of reaching certain milestones uh, that I've kind of set for myself, certain uh, guideposts, if you will, um, along the way, as opposed to having the destination completely in mind and here's exactly how I'm going to get there. It's more, okay, I want to go off in that direction um, through the field and over the mountains and through the woods. Um, and how I get there might change a little bit along the way. You know, I might come up against a crossroads and have to kind of decide of the moment which direction I want to go and how I want to continue to explore. Um, rather than try to carve a path through the, the uh, deep, dark woods, it's figuring out how do I need to flexibly shift and pivot along the way. And so though I have some kind of general goals in mind, um, I, I am not the type of person who goes really, really specific um, in terms of longer term goals. For shorter projects or for, for smaller aspects of larger projects, I get pretty specific and pretty granular. But when it comes to these big, you know, these big get more clients kind of kinds of goals, um, I, I tend to be a little bit more free form and a little more free, free flowing in that. What about you, Katie? How do you go about setting goals for your business? So I am kind of a goal setting crazy person. I think um, <laughs> I love goal setting. I um, and this is something that if people who are listening to this show listen to my other podcast, you've got this. You've heard me talk about goal setting in lots of different ways. And um, typically, I I mean, I'll take any excuse to goal set. Basically, <laughs> I goal set every day. I goal set every month. I do uh, annual planning. I have a thousand day plan for like longer projects I want to do. I have been known in the past to do five-year plans, um, and not always with my business. Sometimes it's with other things too, but right now it's really focused on my business. So um, I love New Year's. I mean, that's like a huge time for me to really think about what do I want to do um, over the next year. And I usually take that opportunity to really reflect a lot on what are the things that are going well, what are the things that I really want to incorporate more into my life. And I usually do a blend of business and personal with that. Because I think that my business is such a part of my life. It's such a huge part of my day-to-day -day working life in the sense of like my weekends are spent on my business. You know, I take vacations so that I can work on my business um, that I really have to goal set for all of those things at once. Um, but similar to you, Sarah, I would say that I set a goal and then if I kind of realize partway down the pathway that the goal has shifted, I pivot. Because mm -hmm. it just, it's, it, when you're doing longer term planning, sometimes you kind of hit a certain point and you're like, oh, that's not really what I want to do anymore. Um, for whatever reason, you know, you, you thought that it was a goal and then all of a sudden it's not so much of a goal. Um, and <laughs> yep. I think especially with businesses, when you have different ideas for your business and different ideas for projects and things, you can be like totally on fire for it. And then like six months later, you're like, okay, so I realized there's no audience for this. Mm -hmm. And I have to shift. So, I mean, I think just because I goal set all the time and I actually think um, I'm a big believer in like when you write your goals down, you're more likely to accomplish them. So I have like goals on my whiteboard. I have them. I carry them around with me. I have a planner where I kind of mock out what my goals are for like each quarter and things like that. Um, so even though I'm such a huge believer in that, I'm also a huge believer in like erasing something off that list if it turns out that it's not what it's supposed to be. 
Yeah, it's so interesting because I've, I've heard that suggestion or that recommendation from a lot of people of, of really um, making your goals or, or your targets be a very visual part of your everyday life that you see them every single day. And for me, you know, admittedly, I haven't done I haven't done that uh, to the same degree. And maybe if I tried it, I would like it. But I have this sense that if I did that, I would actually find that really stifling. Um, I tend to have ridiculously high expectations of myself uh, in a lot of ways. And so I feel like if I set a goal and then for whatever reason didn't meet it uh, or didn't um, feel like I was moving sufficiently toward that goal, that I that there would be some feelings of like guilt or inadequacy or failure that co- that would come along with that. And seeing it every day would be a constant reminder of how you're not doing enough to move forward on that goal. <laughs> and for whatever reason, even if it's completely legitimate reasons, you know, life happens sometimes and you're not able to, to kind of dive into something in the same way that you wanted to. Um, I would just find that really, really hard. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that you and I'm sure many others like you find that, that helpful uh, and to have that reminder, reminder there. Um, but for the listeners out there who are who might find that a little bit stifling, I'm like you. I think I think um, for me, I, I need to have it be a little more amorphous um, than than that in order to be to be happy. So I'm curious, are you the kind of person that creates lists and then like puts things on the list that you've already done so you can check them off? <laughs> I mean, I've never done that before. <laughs> I am that person. So for the people, this is the difference between Sarah and I, for the people who are listening, I am like a list fanatic. Yeah. And I am like, so this is what the goal setting is for me is really list building. Yeah. And it's also, it, it's also a brain dump. I mean, mm-hmm. to really get everything out of what I'm thinking about somewhere else where I can look at it and then I don't have to have it in my brain anymore. Cause I really want my brain functioning at a pretty high level for the creative mm-hmm. work that I do. And I don't want to be constantly cycling through, you know, so a lot of the writing down of things for me is actually a really um, kind of logistical function for my brain of, of getting it out so that mm-hmm. I don't have to think about it anymore. Um, but I'm wondering if we can talk Sarah about kind of some concrete things when we think about goals, mm-hmm. what are the kinds of things we're thinking about? Because like I literally have things written down, which I would be happy to share, but I'm wondering if you have examples of, you know, what are some things that you think of maybe for the next like three to six months? Cause I know you don't do super long-term planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, um, you know, as I said, these are, these are less, um, specific goals, but for me, a couple of things that I'm really focusing on in the next um, four to six months or so are uh, getting back to um, posting regularly on my YouTube channel. So um, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but if I haven't, uh, I have a YouTube channel called Developmental Enthusiast, where I talk about a variety of things related to human development kind of across the lifespan. So my background is in child development, and I do a lot of videos on science content related to child development uh, research. And, and that sort of thing. But I also have found that there's a lot, uh, a pretty big audience for things about how to how to develop as a person. Uh, and I mean that a lot of career kind of focus, um, discussions about how to survive graduate school um, and, and what that looks like and, and ideas for how to kind of move through those really tense periods of, of that whole struggle thing. Um, and so I've, I've found that having this creative outlet in the past was really, really helpful for me. But as I was um, transitioning to 
doing my business full time, it kind of fell off the plate a little bit because there were other things I needed to be focusing on because the YouTube channel was not making a ton of money for me or anything. So I needed to focus on some other things to kind of build that revenue base in the background. But now that I'm in a, a little bit more comfortable of a place, um, I, I know I want to spend more time and creative energy on building that YouTube channel. So for me, the goal over the next several months is to continue to, or to post more regularly. Um, and that's the extent of the goal in my head. I want to post uh, every two weeks. That's that's kind of the marker for me. But I also know that sometimes life happens and that might not happen as regularly. And so I, I for my framework, I'm thinking I want to post more regularly, right? And I know what that, that means, but I also don't necessarily need to come out and say, I will post every, you know, two Wednesdays at 2 p.m. I, I don't want to be quite that specific about it. Um, I want to see how the, how the flow works a little bit um, with everything else I've got going on. So that's one thing. Um, but in general, other things, just, just in terms of thinking about getting more speaking gigs lined up, um, finding some more um, potential consulting opportunities and those sorts of things. Uh, and I have some ideas about how to get to those goals. Um, and I know there are probably lots of listeners out there who would who would say, well, you need to say more than just more of those. Um, but realistically, it it for me, it depends on a balance of things because I'm doing all of these different kinds of um, aspects of my business. If I get two more consulting gigs, well, then I can't do five more presentations. There's a there's a balance there for me. And a lot of it just depends on the individual situation. And so I need to kind of have that openness and flexibility to be able to say, okay, if I take this client, this is going to be a massive project for me. That means I need to not devote resources in this other direction. Um, and so so for me, it's, it's focusing on growing those things, but growing them in a, in a way that's sustainable and um, that's acceptable for me. And that's that's kind of a challenge. And, and there are times when I'm like, I really wish I had a very concrete goal here. <laughs> but um, I've also found that that having that flexibility has really helped me feel more um, okay with the way that my business is growing in in a lot of ways. So those are a couple examples of things that I'm kind of thinking about or that I'm working toward. Um, and, you know, next episode, I know we'll talk a little bit more about some of the specifics of how um, of how we're planning out reaching those those various goals. But that's kind of where I am. What about you, Katie? What are some of the, the main targets or goals that you're setting for your business for the next several months? So it's so interesting to hear yours, Sarah, because like your more flexible approach gives me anxiety. Like I'm just <laughs> like, I, I, mine are very like um, tangible in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So for example, one this year for the past year was to establish my LLC. Like yep. it was like, that was a goal. I could do it. I could check it off my list. You know, like I like to set goals that I can say, yes, this has officially been done. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, it's not necessarily a constant thing I'm working toward. I break down those constant things into really tangible um, outcomes. So some of the other things on my list for this year were to release a course. Um, the one I'm working on right now is on academic book promotion, and that's coming out um, as we record this about a month from now, and it's on track to be released. And then I also wanted to work on this year shifting my revenue model. That's maybe one that's a little bit more broad, but I chose to do that by focusing more on webinars versus face-to-face -face speaking engagements um, because I have limited amount of travel time. And mm -hmm. then um, I'm looking at my whiteboard right now, so my I'm turning from my mic. Um, I wanted to get a coaching certification this year. And so that was another goal that I had set for myself. And um, 
there's like a huge list on my whiteboard, so I'm kind of picking and choosing. <laughs> um, oh, and then I, I have a book that's that I'm finishing this year, actually several, but the, my monograph that I'm wor- just working on by myself, um, my third book is um, going to be coming out in 2018. So that was a big goal for this year was to finish that book. So um, I have like very concrete things. And there a lot of the projects are actually kind of huge, but then I break them down and chunk them in different kinds of ways. Yeah, and I I want to I want to also kind of revisit this a little bit and say I like I am also a person who loves lists. <laughs> right? Like I have my to-do list and I carry it with me everywhere and my friends make fun of me when I have to pull it out and check something off of it. Um but I think the way that the I think for me the um the tactics are what goes on that list and they in my head are not always directly tied to, and this is how I will reach this goal. It's Mm. more about, okay, this is going to move me forward. I know that if I want to make more YouTube videos, I need to write a script this weekend and I need to, you know, film two videos by Tuesday or whatever. So I, I have those tactics in mind and it's all with the, you know, the goal of moving towards that end goal. But if it was like, if it was more rigid, I think then I would have trouble it would feel my to-do list would feel more stifling than it already does. <laughs> there are yeah. days when I'm like, ah, I can't do all of this stuff. Um, and so if I had even more of a very specific connection between the tactic and the goal, um, it, that would actually create anxiety for me. So it's interesting to hear you say like, I want to have all of this, you know, written down and very specific to how it ties to these particular goals um, because that's what creates anxiety for me. It's just funny to hear different perspectives on that. Yeah. Okay. So I want to circle back to what you were saying, Sarah, about staying flexible in your business, because, Mm -hmm. you know, if one thing happens, you maybe won't be able to do another thing or like certain things will trigger different kinds of decision making. And what I think is actually really challenging about goal setting in a business is around stuff like revenue. Mm -hmm. And specifically because, and, and this is what I want to dig into a little bit is business lead generation. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I feel like a lot of my business this past year, especially the speaking engagements, people just kind of found me. And yep. like, yes, I'm out on social media and like I'm doing enough speaking that, you know, there's word of mouth kind of recommendation that's happening and stuff like that. But I haven't put out like, I mean, like maybe twice I've put out a specific call that's like, hey, I've opened up my speaking calendar for the spring or whatever. And like no one ever responds to that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like I'm not even sure how these people I mean, I know how they're hearing about me, but it feels very out of my control Yep. in terms of like how people are coming in the door. And similar for some of the stuff that I'm now starting to sell in terms of products, it feels very like word of mouth. You know, like, obviously, I've set up a strong foundation before I've gotten to this point. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering if you can kind of speak to that a little bit. Because I mean, like, do you feel like you have control over your business lead (laughs) generation in the sense of like, you can put out a call and be like, hey, I'm looking for clients and people like contact you like I some people have that and I just don't feel like I have that. I'm sorry. I laugh because you asked, do you feel like you have control? Oh, that's funny. Uh, And as a, like, and I laugh because I I tend to be more of a control freak. Like I I am a planner in the sense that I want to know kind of where I'm headed and where I'm going. Again, a little bit more vaguely than other people like to like to be, but um, but yeah, no, I have no control. It And that's part of what gives me anxiety, I think, um, in terms of planning is I don't necessarily know what's going to lead to the next thing, because you're right, so much of it is word of mouth. 
for me, for my presentations uh, that I've done this year, you know, I've been I've been pretty successful at landing speaking gigs, and none of those have come from me asking for them. I have not done a single bit of that, um, which is both really validating in the sense that people keep coming to me asking, oh, will you come do this talk? Um, you know, I'd love for you to come and speak to my group. But it's also a little bit terrifying <laughs> because it's like, oh, okay. Um, but if I were to ask, would there be a ton of people then requesting this from me? Or like you said, would it be crickets? I don't, I don't know. Um, I haven't tried that yet. And I, I probably will at some point because I do think that there's a certain degree to which that uh, that well of people recommending you and you know getting business from having done business kind of dries up a little bit. And so you have to have those other strategies in place. But I don't know what that looks like for me in a way that's authentic to the kind of messaging I want to put out in the world. Um, I always feel weird asking for business in that way. Um, and I, I, yeah, that's a thing that I'm kind of wrestling with a little bit is like, how do I ask? people if they <laughs> want to book me for a, a speaking gig. I've never done that before. Um, and I've done well having not done that. So do I just continue along this this path of relying on a lot of word of mouth and doing really good work? I think with respect to your question about generating clients, um, my, again, more <laughs> le, uh, my more laissez-faire, uh, is that how you pronounce that word? La Something along those lines. Okay. <laughs> I'll take it. All right. My more laissez-faire uh, approach to all of this is is that if I'm getting responses from people when I'm not necessarily actively seeking them, I must be doing something right. <laughs> and so yeah. why mess with a good thing? And I also know that doing good business and doing good work um, recommends you without you saying, hey, I can do this thing for you. Um, people want good people and so and want to share about the good people that they have worked with. And so I do rely a lot on my good work kind of speaking for itself. What about you? You're, you were saying a little bit that you um, that you were kind of struggling with that. Okay, if I ask for clients, I don't really get a lot of response to that. But word of mouth seems to be going well. How are you dealing with that conflict and that sort of inner turmoil? Well, I mean, first, I want to say like, yes, to all of that you've just said. And I think the challenge for me is when I think about trying to, for lack of a better phrasing, like stabilize my business in terms of like regular revenue stream, mm -hmm. this is where I run into the problem here because it's, I, I'm not like worried about paying my mortgage from my business because I have a full-time job. So I'm in a different boat for people who are listening to this, who are in the same situation that Sarah is, you know, obviously the, I'm in a different situation because um, this is not my full-time gig. However, you know, like it would be nice. And I think a lot of people with businesses feel this way that if you knew like kind of quarterly where your mm -hmm. revenue was going to come from. Yep. And I think that the problem of not having a solid kind of business lead generation model is that you're constantly kind of relying on the universe to just like provide stuff to you, which is, I mean, some people are super cool with that and I, I'm not judging it, but I think that there is a different, mo I, I, it's like, I know there's a different model out there. It's like a unicorn, like there's a special yeah. unicorn where you actually know how much revenue is going to come in. Um, and I think that that's actually why I'm experimenting with things like courses, because I'm really curious about like, I, and the course that I've been talking about a couple times on the show, the rock your web design business, that's a course that they only open up like a couple times a year. 
Mm. It's not constantly for sale. They do kind of a drive for this course. And then they know, you know, during that period that they're going to have a certain amount of revenue from that product. And so I've just been kind of paying attention to those models to be like, okay, if you, and, and for example, and this is getting a little bit into part two about advanced planning, but I have this webinar series and this year it launched in August and next year it will probably also launch in August. So I know that in that, that time period, I'm going to have some revenue because I'm going to launch this product again. And I'm not launching it, you know, like throughout the year, it's like the big launch happens in August. And so I can look at my revenue for this year and hope that I have the same or more revenue for next year. But it's just gotten me thinking about, I think that is a challenge. You know, like, how can you feel like you can actually do things that generate revenue and that you're not just literally waiting for clients to walk in the door? Right, right. And I, I think this speaks a little bit to the, there are a couple, a couple of things I hear in, in what you're saying. The first of which is, um, is that there are these peaks and valleys in self-employment or in, in side hustles um, when you're doing this kind of work that, that Katie and I do. And there's a lot of kind of weird anxiety, feelings of inferiority, all of that kind of stuff rolled into that because there is that fear, well, what if this doesn't work next month, right? Or next quarter or next year. Yeah, like what if it dries year? up? What right, if it just completely like, dries up and nobody contacts you anymore? Yeah. And so people in the field are often are often talking about making sure that you're building, you're constantly building in the background, that you're constantly either networking or marketing or doing those kinds of things that will lead to more business. But I, what I hear you saying, Katie, is like, I don't know what that is because it's all been word of mouth. And I feel the same way that a lot of it, my best work comes from people having seen me and, you know, or worked with me before and said and recommended me or that sort of thing, as opposed to a, you know, mass marketing campaign that I might put together. And so for us, I think, and, and please jump in here, but I feel like for us, there's a little bit of like, okay, I'm going to try this thing and see how this works. Um, partly because, you know, kind of putting yourself out there in, in new and different ways is a way to expand that that core audience and that that group of people who might recommend you or who might come and look for your services. Um, and so for me, like doing this podcast was not something that I planned on doing at the beginning of the year, but because, you know, you and I connected so well and because I felt like we had a lot of um, interesting stuff behind the scenes to share, I was like, sure, yes, I will devote some time to this because I think it will lead to other interesting things um, and other things that will fulfill my my revenue streams eventually. Though the podcast itself, just for you listeners, this is not raking in tons of dough. <laughs> for, for anyone who's wondering, podcasting is not usually where you go to make it rich. But I know that it will lead to other interesting opportunities. And so I feel like that strategy is more about opening the opening, um myself to new opportunities than it is about um, kind of that that more traditional marketing perspective. I'm curious about your thoughts on that, Katie, whether that seems to fit or if you approach it differently. So what you've really got me thinking about, Sarah, is the importance of backward, like, I don't know the right words to use. So help me if you understand what I'm trying to say. But basically, like looking at a success and then working backward from that yep. to be like what got me to that success. And I want to give two very concrete examples of this that have like mm -hmm. literally just happened to me. So the first example is, and I'm going to like work backward from this. So I got contacted by someone on LinkedIn who wanted me to offer like that, who was interested in one of my services. 
And she found out about this service because first of all, she's connected to me on LinkedIn. She listens mm-hmm. to my podcast. Like this is somebody who's kind of like in my realm of influence, I guess, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word, in my circle. Mm-hmm. Um, but she saw someone else who has received one of my services post on LinkedIn about her experience. And she was like, oh, Katie, I didn't know you did that thing. Mm-hmm. So then the person who posted, and, and I, she has since hired me. So I, this is now one of my clients. So the person who posted that thing, the service, so like mm-hmm. person number one is the client who hired me. Person number two is one step removed from that, who who was my former client, well, an ongoing client who I pro- provided a service for. Mm-hmm. And that that was web design, just so I'm not like talking in complete abs- abstraction. Abstractions <laughs> here. So I designed a website for her. She posted about it on LinkedIn. I had reached out to that person about designing her website because she's in my mastermind group. Ah. And I knew that she was trying to kind of up her game in terms of speaking. And I was trying to pilot this service with people that I knew who needed new websites. Mm-hmm. And she was in my mastermind group because I formed a mastermind group. Mm-hmm. So I formed a mastermind group. I met this client. I engaged this client. She had a good experience. She posted about it. And now I have another client directly from that experience because she saw about that post. So that's like yep. one example of like, like, I feel like I have no control, but obviously I am putting things into play that are creating this situation. So then yep. the second example I want to offer, and again, I'm going to work back from this. So I'm, and I feel like working backward is sometimes confusing. So anyway, I don't know how else to do it. So I have this <laughs> webinar series that I have launched. And one of the options for the webinar series is to buy an institutional membership. And currently I have two institutional members who have invested in this webinar series. And this is the highest kind of higher end of the offer. Basically, it's the most expensive buy-in to this series. So obviously this is good to have to have more institutional members. And it also brings more faculty into this product, which is what mm-hmm. I want. I want to help as many people as possible. So I have both of these institutional members are people who have previously brought me to their campuses face-to-face. So they know me. Mm -hmm. One of them in particular was an institutional member who recently I was going on a trip. I was hired by a school and I reached out to people in the area and said, I've been hired to come to your area. Do you want me to, you know, are you interested in basically bringing me to your campus? Because I'm going to be local and here's the dates that I'm going to be there. And one of these institutional members hired me. Because Hmm. I was going to, so I did a cold email outreach and they hired me. Now this person also listens to my podcast, the the main contact I have at this institution. And I went there, I had this face-to-face engagement and now they've purchased this institutional membership. So like you can see the web, if you Mm -hmm. work backward, you know, like these are not strangers who are buying my products, basically. These are people that know me who have been mm-hmm. listening to my podcast, who have been engaging with the resources I'm putting out for free mm-hmm. and who are reacting to wanting to bring me to their campus because they know that I do that. And then yep. that forms a relationship where then they buy my products for their faculty at a later time. So I feel like that's a really long-winded way of saying you need to work backward to see what's yeah. working. When you are bringing clients through the door, they aren't coming to you randomly. And so you do need to be asking them, how did you hear about me? Mm-hmm. What brought you yeah. here? 
Yeah, I think I think you have great observations there that like there there are always connections in in some way, shape or form. Like, how did this person discover you? How did you you know, did you reach out to them? Did they reach out to you? Um, How did they how did they hear about you? Um, I also think and maybe this is a topic for a future episode. uh, I also think it's really hard when you're standing in the middle of the open field of possibilities to figure out which way to go. Like it's hard to see the future, right? You don't you didn't know when you did that cold email exactly. that this line of of success was gonna come of it. And well, so, I didn't even have the webinar series at that point. It wasn't right. even in my brain as something I was planning to do. Exactly. And so it's really hard, I think, when you're when you're looking at, okay, I could go this way, I could go this way, I could go this way. I have finite time and resources. Um I don't know where this is going to lead, but you you also sort of have to trust the process. You have to trust that, okay, if I pour my time and energy in this direction because I feel like this is where the energy is, this is where I'm excited, this is where there's a need, this is where my ideal audience or client base is, that if you put good work into the world, that people will start to recognize that and, and start to call on you for it. Um, now, you also have to sort of establish yourself a little bit first in some ways to uh, to even begin that conversation. But I think for where both you and I are, Katie, there's this, there's maybe this sense of like, okay, if I put this out, what is it going to lead to? Um, And we could do any number of different things. So figuring out how to prioritize which thing to do, um, that's a little bit harder. And that's something that I sometimes struggle with. Like if I put a bunch of energy into my YouTube channel, is that going to lead to more clients? I don't, I don't know. But at the same time, I've heard previous clients or previous, um, you know, presentation gig people (laughs) say, oh, I found you on, or I saw your videos on YouTube. And that's why I reached out like, oh, cool. I didn't, wow, that's good to know. So now I know that like, that's at least a somewhat of a useful mechanism for me to continue to pursue. So continuing to do that data gathering helps you make those informed decisions. But I also yeah. know it can feel really, really scary if you're like, I don't know which thing to to try next. <laughs> well, and I think one way to think about it is, and I, I want to also like give an example from a from me being a client perspective of this, because there's something I'm going to buy soon that I've been orbiting around this person for a long time. And this is one of their higher end products and I'm about to buy it. And actually, this is true of a lot of things that I buy for my business, like the course that I've that I've been talking about about web design. You know, like I've been orbiting around that person who creates that course for years. You mm-hmm. know, like so I think that part of what we're talking about here is how can you expand your orbit so that the people who are around you and who are hearing about your work, like they may not need the thing that you're selling right now, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean they won't need the thing that you're selling in a year and a half that you haven't even thought about yet. Right. And so right. that's the, but that's the challenging part about goal setting. And so one more example, just because I think the concrete is really important here. So there is an internet entrepreneur called Jason Zuck. And um, you all may have heard of him. I'll link to his website in the show notes. He was someone who several years ago sold his last name and also made quite a bit of money by wearing people's t-shirts and like doing some kind of promotion of other brands online. And he has since created a product called Buy My Future, which is now Buy Our Future because he's combined it with his wife, Caroline. And so there's this thing that they open up a couple times a year where you can basically buy all the products that they have created both alone and together. And then you will get anything they create in the future for free. Hmm. If you invest right now with 
a certain amount of money. And they've been hmm. kind of slowly upping this amount of money over time. So a couple years ago, it was like $1,000 and it was $1,500. Now I think it's $2,000. And this is opening up um, at the end of September as we're recording this. We're recording this in early September. So this is something that for the past couple of years, I've been watching with a lot of interest because I think that it's a really interesting business model. And he also does a lot of behind the scenes process sharing, which I love. I, I like mm -hmm. to do that myself. And so I love when other people do that. And he has a podcast where he kind of talks about how this, the launch goes and he like gives updates on their revenue and all these other kinds of things that are really fascinating. And we can link to that podcast in the show notes, but it's been like three years that I've been following this person mm -hmm. and I've invested in a couple of his products here and there. And he has a course um, building platform that I'm currently using for a couple of things. And, you know, there's all kinds of stuff, but basically like it was never quite the right time for me to invest mm -hmm. in, in the buy my future because I either didn't have the revenue or I wasn't going to be using the products that he was offering as much as I would want, you know, all those different kinds of things. But this year, it makes total sense for me to invest in his products because I'm using his course platform. I'm using a couple of his other kind of metrics tools that he's created. And if I buy into it now, I will have all those things for free. Like mm -hmm. I will have made the one-time purchase and then I can just like make as many courses as I want and whatever. So, but it's one of those things that reminds me kind of from the other side of, of um, the situation that I do this too. You know, like mm -hmm. we do this too. We orbit around people and we wait until we feel like, one, we trust them. Mm -hmm. And two, we feel like it's the right time, you know, to make this purchase for us. So when I think about things like my webinar series, I completely understand that this year, there might be people who are looking at it and who are really intrigued, but they're not quite ready to buy. Mm -hmm. But next year, when I change up the topics, and I do some different stuff, maybe that's the year that people are like, okay, now I'm ready. Because mm -hmm. they get, you know, that year stuff and they get this year stuff because I'm going to repackage this year stuff and offer mm -hmm. it along with next year stuff. You know, like, so there's going to be, you know, like, you, but that's the stuff you can't plan for, you know, and yeah, this is getting right. into part two, you know, like, how do we, how far in advance do we plan? But it's like, you can plan for it and you cannot plan for it. Like, I can't necessarily plan for revenue, but mm -hmm. I can plan for, I know what I'm going to do with this product. And I think it's going to be valuable for the people who are interested in it. Yeah, I yes, everything you said. <laughs> I, I agree. I think there's a lot of um, it, it's interesting because it, even though we work more in online spaces and 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 uh, operate more in online spaces, um, I think the same kinds of basic building your business um, mantras are, are the same, which is that it's really about relationships and having having people trust you. Yes. Um, and so the more that you can do that kind of work, um, you know, either one on one, having met somebody or online, you know, the, the better you are, the better off you are in the long run, uh, the more you can build that trust and build that, uh, that credibility that you do actually know what you're talking about, or what you're what you're putting out there, it has value um, to people, the, the more opportunities you're going to have for people to come around and, uh, and eventually buy your fancy cool thing or ask for your help with a with a thing. Well, and I think like, Yes to all of that, too. We're just guessing each other. All <laughs> We're just guessing. We're Lots of yes. Feature, despite the fact <laughs> that we come at this from two completely different angles. Um, <laughs> but I think so not to add like too much pressure, but I feel like this is why the stuff that you do in your business on a day to day basis that feels like a slog, like mm -hmm. the, the social media posting and like all the little things that you're like, is this really doing anything for my business? I think that's why that stuff matters. Because yep. you never know like how it's expanding that orbit. 
and how someone is like, wow, I'm super impressed by what you're putting out there on a consistent basis. Like the fact that you can do this with consistency, it builds trust. And people aren't like emailing you saying, wow, I trust you 10% more today because you've put out a year's worth of (laughs) podcast episodes or whatever, you know, like it's not like that. (laughs) Yeah. But it is like that in that people are increasing trust in you when they see you putting out product every week or however your frequency is, you know, like that is, there's a lot of currency there and you can lose that currency if you stop, if you get frustrated, if you're like, this is a waste of my time. I don't think it's a waste of your time. I mean, I think that's Mm -hmm. a big vote for be consistent and, Mm -hmm. you know, put in the effort there because it does pay off. Well, but I also think you need to be thoughtful and strategic about that, right? Like, so it's, you can drive yourself crazy thinking like, oh, all the all the little things on my to do list that will help me build, you know, in the background, blah, blah, blah. Like eventually you can be, you can kind of get, get to a place of complete overwhelm. And I I have a lot of friends and colleagues who've done this, especially in the, in the sphere of social media, you feel like you have to join all the platforms and do all the things. No, 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 no. Do one, maybe two really well. That is going to lend a lot more credibility to you than if you're on every single platform and doing them all poorly. So you do have to think about a little bit about like, where is my audience? Where do I want to go? How do I want to engage with them, you know, in this space or those sorts of things. And so I think that uh, that speaks a little bit more again to the uh, next episode, which is how far in advance do we plan these kinds of things? And how do we think about, you know, making those choices about where we're going to invest our time and energy? Um, and and how do we get from point A to point B? That is, a perfect, that is a perfect segue. I think we should close out this episode. I know we have some resources to share, but mm-hmm. I think that's a nice ending point for this episode. And then make sure to check in with part two, where we're going to talk about how far in advance do we plan for some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, Katie, I know you have a couple of resources uh, for us today. Would you like to share? Yes. So kind of on behalf of Sarah and I, the couple of resources I want to talk about Um, There's a couple of books by the same author, Gretchen Rubin, and I'm a complete fangirl of Gretchen Rubin. Um, Listeners, you might know her books. She had uh, a book on called The Happiness Project and then a second book called Happier at Home. And her third book is my favorite, which is um, a book called Better Than Before, which is about habit building. And she's about to have another book come out as we record this. It's this month. So by the time this is out, um, it's probably available called The Four Tendencies which is um, kind of a personality framework that she created to talk about accountability and how you're accountability to something outside, you're accountable to something outside yourself, you're accountable to something within yourself, you're accountable to both or you're accountable to neither. And she has kind of these four different frameworks for that. And I've been following Gretchen's work for a very long time. And um, the four tendencies, as someone who does a lot of coaching, it makes a lot of sense to me, not just for me, but for my clients. And so it's been really interesting. And I think it's a framework that when you're thinking about goal setting and holding yourself accountable, um, it's a super helpful framework uh, in terms of just trying to think about how how can you know yourself better so that you can make better decisions around your goal setting. And then a a third quick bonus resource that I want to mention is um, a planner that I've been using that has been super helpful for me with my goal setting and list making. And this is a planner called the Get to Work book, and it's by an entrepreneur called Elise uh, Joy Kripe, who is in California. And Elise has been creating this product for several years now. I've been using it probably for a couple of years, and I love it. It basically allows you to write a series of lists for each day of what you want to get done. 
And what I love about it is it's a planner that is not time stamped. So it's not really meant to like put your, you know, um, appointments and stuff in, although you could if you wanted to. But because I manage all of that in a digital calendar on my phone, I really just wanted a planner where I could like write all my lists out. And so she's got a bunch of features in this planner that allow you to goal set for each week, for each day, what are like the three top priorities that you want to do. But the design is like super minimalist and I love it. So we will link to that in the show notes as well. It's called the Get to Work book. Um, and I think it's just a get to work, gettoworkbook.com. Um, but I will confirm that and we'll put it in the show notes. So those are our three resources this week if you're thinking about kind of upping your game with goal setting for your business. Awesome. Thanks, Katie. Well, I'm looking forward to next time talking uh, a little bit more about this whole how do we plan out our lives <laughs> conversation. I think it's going to be an interesting one, especially given that you and I approach things uh, kind of from a, a different perspective on goal setting and on planning. It's I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm excited too. Thanks so much to our listeners for joining us for this episode on goal setting for our businesses. Remember that you can always find information about the Academic Egg podcast at academicegig.com, where you can also sign up for our email list to be notified of new episodes when they come out, and also to receive our list of 100 plus resources for academic creatives entrepreneurs and small business owners. So we would love to connect with you there. So thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Academic Gig podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and heard something useful that you can apply in your own business. Show notes with links to resources mentioned in the episode and a full transcript are available at academicgig.com. There, you can also sign up for our email list and receive over 100 great resources for recommended books, blog posts, and podcasts for the academic creative, freelancer, and entrepreneur that you won't want to miss. You can connect with us on Twitter at Academigig, or you can also find Sarah at Dr. Langworthy and Katie at Katie double underscore Linder. We'd love to hear from you and continue the conversation about this episode. There are several other ways to connect with the Academigig podcast. Visit the website to post a comment about a specific episode, suggest a future topic, or ask a question that could be featured on a future Q&A episode. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It helps us out and helps others find the show. And as always, thanks for listening.